Hello everyone, welcome to the very first edition of Semi-Intelligence. Uh, we're here at Macquarie University, Sydney, and I'm seated next to Matt Kavanagh and Darius Taslin. My name's Arun. In this episode, we'll be aiming to talk about flying cars. Before we do that, I'd just like to mention that um, thoughts are our own and uh, not that of our employers. But before we continue, I'll let my uh, table mates introduce themselves. Matt? Yeah. I'm Matt Kavanagh, I'm the president of um, Sci-Fi MQ, newly established. This is basically why we're doing this, uh, well, one of the reasons. So, um, yeah, that's basically me. Uh, oh, yeah, I teach stuff at Macquarie Uni, too, and I'm also an MRS student, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's me. Do you have a Twitter handle or something? Uh, oh, yes, Twitter handle, uh, Matt Cow, so M-A-T-T-C-A-U, mm-hmm. and um, that's me. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Matt. Darius? Hi, I'm Darius. I'm an ex-student in here, now, now actually working here, and just helping out with the with this, with this sci-fi club, which looks very interesting. And, of course, don't forget the sci-fi club already have a Facebook page, which I believe, what, facebook.com slash sci-fi MQ? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And our own webpage, which is www.scifimq.com or, 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 or .org. There you go. Mm-hmm. And you'll find links to these uh, all the things mentioned on our show notes, which will be available soon on maybe uh, I <laughs> guess semi-intelligence.com. <laughs> Hopefully, no one's taken that Tumblr yeah. yet, but we'll we'll get some links on there soon. <laughs> how do you how do you do podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Indeed, indeed. Um, so yeah, the topic of oh, before we continue, I, I guess I should introduce myself as well. I'm the webbed person in the Faculty of Science, and my interests lie in you know techie things and web development, the web development things. And I'm also cursorily interested in the Sci-Fi MQ Society. So I guess we should move on to the podcast. The topic of today's episode is flying cars. And uh, Matt presented the idea of, uh, or uh, asked, posed the question rather, on when they'll enter the mainstream. I guess my my response to that was 2070, uh, purely because... Uh, I still see a lot of challenges ahead, uh, especially given that we haven't really achieved uh, self-driving cars as such. Mm-hmm. So once we kind of surmount that issue or the problem, um, we can get closer to having you know multi-layered transport, which is pretty much what you know flying through the air is. Yeah. Uh, even though the record for um, airlines, uh, airline crashes, is very, very, very good compared to say traffic accidents uh, that's that? purely you know based on the fact that every time an airplane crashes they investigate very very thoroughly and make sure it never happens again that's that's their sort of rationale or approach and also because there's um, airplane towers for every single flight there mm-hmm. so they always be managed flights they've never been a self-driving flights yeah so I think that's a that's a huge problem and that's that sort of lends lends to my pessimism mm-hmm. on how soon it might uh, enter the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, yeah. My um, so my response to that question was twenty twenty five, and um, this is just a complete guess. But um, the reason why the reason why I I'm so optimistic is because driving, uh, flying isn't really the same thing as driving. It's a lot more like for an automated system, it's a lot more um, uh, it's a lot easier for them to actually drive in the aeroplane because like if you're driving on the ground, you know, there's a lot of obstacles you need to worry about. But if you are like an aeroplane, 
Um, you all you really need to do is maintain like uh, the course. You can use GPS for that, and then like if there are any obstacles, which is very very rare, um, you can actually identify that obstacle, and it's very very easy to dodge it. So um, like because that's I guess that's one one of the things we're kind of assuming because if um, if everything was manual, like um, let's say, because one, that's one of the big biggest concerns uh, people have with flying cars. Um, if everyone had to be um, everyone had to be their own pilot, um, mm -hmm. then that's going to be really, really, really yep. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be dangerous. You can have a lot of um, you can have a lot of collisions. Mm -hmm. You can have people crashing uh, into houses and things like that. So we're assuming a situation where the houses <laughs> and uh, and also buildings. Ah, anyway, um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> And there's also some people commenting about uh, how people maybe run out of fuel up in the thin air. Absolutely. That's another thing I was thinking about as well. Like mm. The crashes mm. are going to be much more severe mm. compared to a possible road accident. And um, the, one of the thing, interesting thoughts that sort of struck me up was Jeff, you know, Amazon C mm. CEO Jeff Bezos, I think that's how you pronounce his name, mm -hmm. uh, introduced the... Um, Prime Amazon Prime deli delivery or something with the drones. Mm -hmm, yeah. So that could sort of um, mm. expedite the process of you know self-managed or uh, aircraft flying, you know, in some sort of protocol, yeah. uh, as opposed to you know at the current state where you know things are being driven by humans. Yeah. So that could you know expedite the process of uh, you know cars or you know craft flying or transporting themselves mm -hmm. and removing that human element where you know I'm screwed up or you know drunk flying or something like that yeah so yeah yeah, yeah um, but my point there is it's a lot easier like um, it's, it's already in use um, like there, there's a lot of work being done in there at the moment I, I should also like I should also temper everyone's thing um, and not that I'm trying to pull rank but like I'm like uh, my research is in, in autonomous agents not necessarily like robots and stuff mm -hmm. um, I try to I, I try to put them into games but like I read a lot of other people's papers in this field and like maybe I'm just a little bit biased but I'm, I'm quite optimistic that we're going to get there um, you know pretty soon like uh, when I say pretty soon I mean in maybe in the next decade or two um, so um, uh, like it's these um, these problems um, mm -hmm. like they they are really really difficult but they're not insurmountable oh yeah yep. so um, so I guess we're um, uh, I'm a bit more optimistic in that sense mm -hmm. because uh, if you compare that to other problems, um, th this is kind of easier. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Uh, I think the problem of um, you know, inclement weather that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. you might have you know issues with poor weather conditions, self-management, um, traffic. That's another thing that could pop up. Uh, yeah. If, if a lot of people you know sort of do that, mm -hmm. and what about? Um, Accountability as well. If you, if you know, if an airplane crashes, if you crash your car right now, mm. whose fault is it? You, you can't just go to the manufacturers. Like, why don't you bring a build a more safer car or something? Mm. You know, you can't really do that. But with aircraft, can you like say, hey, you should have fixed that bug or? Um, yeah, so I on. think um, like when we're talking about safety critical things, um, they the accountability is really personal because that, that that's that's how they do it with airplanes. Like every rivet. Every part is that can actually be tied back to to mm -hmm. a, a particular technician. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, the, you really need to be really really serious about this. But if you look if you look at if we're talking about big jumbo jets mm -hmm. with hundreds of people on them, mm -hmm. you need to do that. But if we're talking about like um, smaller aircraft with um, you know five 
people like there. The solo aircraft, which is only uh, one or two people. Yeah, you could like you could you could add in a lot of safety, um, like let's say like ballistic parachutes, for example. Like if you run out of fuel and like you didn't account for the running out of fuel suddenly, then you can just you know deploy ballistic parachutes and then you don't really crash. Or um, you can have like ejection systems. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Yeah. But. Um, um, uh, I guess the point is, uh, like, smaller civilian-type things um, that doesn't really have hundreds of people on them, uh, the, the safety challenges are a lot less um, uh, a lot less big. Yeah. Uh, or, like, smaller, I should say. And I suppose it's easier to evacuate just one or two people as opposed to evacuate the whole yeah, yeah. airplane full of the, hundreds uh, of people. Yeah, the, the reason why um, there's so many restrictions, um, like, with passenger aircraft is because, like, you can't really do too much if something... Uh, goes wrong catastrophically like it's by it's usually everyone dies kind of situation mm -hmm. so um, like the, that's I guess like the, I guess that's why they're really they're, they're really 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 they're serious about that Absolutely, whereas yeah. with um, like it, I, I guess um, do we have any stats out here at the moment because we're supposedly we're supposedly scientists but we should probably back this up stats for but, what um, um, if we compare um, like you know um, fa road fatalities with um, aircraft um, aircraft fatalities uh, it's it's probably a lot less so yet there's less like every time a car crashes there's less of a there's less of a there's less, less of an outcry oh absolutely um, Without, if an airplane crashes it'll be like on world, world news if yeah. I crash my car no one's going to give a crap except me yeah. maybe the guy I crash into and yeah. not to um, mention the road crashes it may not be fatal well, you know, fatal it may not be fatal but it could be just Collateral damage. I, I think it's. I think it's just um, that um, it's not really about flying cars anymore, but it's just that fact of um, uh, the perceived survivability. Because oh, yeah. like, if there's something, if something goes wrong with an aeroplane uh, and it's really, really wrong, uh, then like, you know, there's um, there's not very many options for you to get out. Whereas uh, if you're in a bus, feet on top. On yes. Yeah, yeah. But you'd be surprised how like how robust aeroplanes actually are at the moment. Like they um, can, you know, they can hit. They can be hit by lightning. You can like lop. I don't know. You can shoot the side of it and still be fine you can lop off like it's um it's it's really quite robust mm -hmm. uh, that those things so the only time you'd really need to be worried is something really horrible happens where like you know uh, bear the, jumps on the, <laughs> yeah, on the, on, on the pilot uh, not even that if a bear jumps on the pilot it's i mean on, on the aircraft it's probably fine but like maybe if the engines blow up but there's like you know four engines so the you can still you can still limp back home and still be fine. But that's, I have that's also the problem. Like it's it's as if comparing you know buying a cheap car, but when you crash the whole mm. the whole the whole thing would just crash in and destroy the engine. And buying like say a BMW where they all have steel reinforcement, and you crash on it, they, the BMW doesn't have a dent. While the small car would probably just crash completely. Are you talking about newer BMWs or um, something or? along that mm. line? I thought I thought newer cars they have you know crumple zones and things to <clears throat> design to minimize the impact of the passengers they inside but, yeah. the but, the, but the crumple zones is basically just a metal bit on the outside but mm. they still have metal bars to actually protect so it, the crumples doesn't go inwards mm -hmm. so it, the, the crumples to absorb the, the, the impact but mm. you still have to add the, that safety feature while mm. the smaller cars so to say the mm. cheap personal cars probably won't have it mm. that's why the big you know the planes what multi-million dollars of planes under the I don't know how much. I don't know like, how much they cost. I think it was like a few billion or something, right? Yeah. Exactly. Maybe not billions, but they cost. They're pretty expensive. But yeah. I, uh, one question I had was how how sparsely would the traffic be? So I kind of imagined almost like a Futurama thing, mm. where you know they're kind of sort of waiting, 
it's like oh, real you mean cars. Like they'd so that's what I was kind of envisioning subconsciously without really considering it too much. Mm-hmm. But um, so if if you eject, for example, it's like oh no, I'm going to crash. I'm going to eject and you just jump into the path of another airplane. Well, that's kind of what I subconsciously mm-hmm. imagined. But uh, speaking to you guys, it seems like it's much sparse because you're using much more space. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah. you can there's more there's less likely of a collusion even if if you do eject and like you know. You hit the thing. Yeah, yeah. Because if you think, like, our experience on the roads right now, it's Mm -hmm. like, um, like, you know, there's so much traffic. I I, I don't actually know how people can live through that. Like, Mm. you know, every two hours of their lives every day, which is a bit Mm -hmm. sad. But, um, like, if you, I mean, if you you were to expand that into the third dimension, all that will just go away. Yeah. Um, Like, you'd have to, you'd have to, uh, I don't know, um, if to to see the Futurama vision of that kind of traffic in Mm -hmm. in the air, you'd Mm -hmm. probably have to, like, I don't know how many times you multiply the human population and if that happens then we have bigger worries yeah there's, there's another problem about being a 3D thing so it means yeah. that there will be have to there must be road rules on air there must be certain path you have to follow on absolutely air, so that's easy to do the, the problem of course means you can deviate from the path easily because there's a 3D 3D um, mm. 3D frame right. that you're working in mm. But at the same time, if somebody deviates from that, it's like it's like on here on the car. Mm. So instead of following the following the red lights and turn left, mm. some people just go cross someone else's backyard to to, to turn left. So mm. you will have more of that on air. There's much more freedom for mm. doing that on air. And that's um, something that goes back to the protocol. If there's a central body, like maybe even the government, mm. that dictates, you know, like the program or the protocol itself. Yeah. So if you want to go somewhere, you have to start from a certain point, and you say, "I want to go there," but maybe not yourself. Yeah. Like the per- the computer on the, the vehicle yeah, yeah, translates yeah. it for you yeah. and tries to get you to the destination, but yeah. it does all the back-end you know, yeah, underlying yeah. thinking. Yeah. If you involve a human in there, so that's that's where the... So I think there's like a, there's a huge gap where there's a lot of trouble. So if you leave um, everything to the human, there's you know the human error issue. If you leave everything to the system, then you're like, oh no, the Skynet's going to take over. Mm. And there's also the grey area where you know you leave both, but there's also issues there. But if you go all the way to the extreme, like not Skynet, but let the the, the system take care of itself. Yeah. If things go wrong, mm. there'll there'll be someone to blame, and that could be the government. Is like, oh no, that was version one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know you can't because you're human. It's human's life. Human life we're yeah. dealing with. Okay, so that's, uh, I think that's what. Okay, cool. I guess um, I don't really deal, deal too much with safety critical systems, but I think um, that's how they deal with um, the systems on the aeroplanes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and you actually, like, these are much, um, these are much smaller kind of systems, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so, like, the systems that sort of take care of, um, uh, you know, the how, you know, the engines run and how, yep. like, the aerolons or whatever you call them, so the aerolons. How do you say it? Aerolons. Aerolon term, I know. But, but like um like bits. yeah so like but those are all sort of embedded systems that need to go through um like really I think you actually need to prove it um, yeah. that everything kind of works yeah. before it actually gets through mm-hmm. so um those kinds of systems you'd probably have them within the car itself mm-hmm. to manage the just you know the flight but like we were talking about something a bit a little bit higher level right like root uh yeah, like, R- like route routing. Almost. Yeah, routing. Yeah. So um, I don't think that's not such. A, I don't think that's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because then so that's it's just a matter of actually you know. Yeah, and then um, making sure that the you know the lane uh, the sky lanes are going over the right places, like maybe over mm-hmm. somewhere safe or maybe you know birds like, migrating. That could be ecological issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like like that's just something birds, you can kind of move around mm-hmm. and. Um, 
that now you notice something really really cool about this is because if you're talking about roads um it's 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 not as um malleable it's not as um sculptable mm-hmm. because like roads are something physical and um, yeah. they're really really hard to do and they cost a lot of money mm-hmm. um, to actually city. put them on yeah. Except yeah, except it's in Sim City. Yeah. Uh, so like you can have a much more flexible transport system, mm. and um, and it doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. It, the only well, the only cost that it has is people thinking about you know is it a good idea to have you know vehicles running through this location, and um, that's that's pretty much it. But what about the cost? Like it's going to be much more expensive, at least at the outset, to mm. for to build. You know things that take you through the air. Is it? Yeah. Is it not? And oh, also you mean like? Uh, so I guess the cost. Uh, the cost is kind of distributed across each and every single person that wants to buy mm. the thing. But the, yeah. it's not. It's not like a road cost where um, you can't actually ha- have any cars go through at all before you have the road. Right, so there's there's a massive initial cost of actually building roads and building bridges through mm-hmm. like green fields and yep. forests mm-hmm. and things like that. Whereas with this, um, most of the cost would just well, there is no cost in building the roads because there you don't need a road. There is no road. What about public transport? That's another that's an interesting mm. area. Mm. So you might have like a smartphone app. Mm. It's like, oh, I want to go here, mm-hmm. and the government might subsidise it or something like that. Well, you if mean you like want like, pod, you know, like yeah, so like things. that. Well, I have, um, yeah, that's, a, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's mm. something interesting that sort of popped into my brain. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually got another stupid idea about that because, uh, like, a point-to-point public transport. But yep. maybe that's for maybe that's for another podcast. No, we are talking <laughs> about flying cars. Yeah, you know, briefly touch it's, on it. It's not really a flying car thing. It's just basically a stupid Skyrail system because, like, um, it's Skyrail. <laughs> Yeah, it's not monorail. It's not really like <laughs> The Simpsons. But catapult people to the other side. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, like in the inner city, um, unless unless we've actually got anti gravity, and we're not really proposing anti gravity. We're just proposing, <laughs> like with the flying cars, we're just proposing the stuff that we see on websites right now, which yeah. is all basically propeller powered. Um, but um, like if, if you're in the city, um, you need much more. Um, you're not just in the open space. You're you're going through buildings, so it's it's a lot harder to like use the propeller powered things. Yeah. So and even if you're hovering, that's really hard. So with the Skyrail thing, I was just thinking, just have basically cable cars everywhere. But the main difference is these cable cars can go like can go like when it gets to a transition point, they can actually turn left or right on their own volition without actually worrying about the you know how rails uh, the rail system the it's actually the railroad that changes for yeah. the uh, yeah, so that's that's one limitation I think mm. of the public transport system we have mm-hmm. at the moment. So mm-hmm. if if um, these things are actually able to you know turn left or right at like at a junction mm-hmm. just by themselves without worrying about the thing, mm-hmm. then that that would be really cool I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you could have like you know three three layers of this all over the place, um, you can actually configure it such that you don't have it you don't have to stop in an intersection, mm. uh, and uh, like it, it'll just be all happy. And like since since it's on like these flying rail things, you don't need to worry about anti gravity, and you can have stations like mm. in pretty much every building around the city. Mm. And how would the maintenance sort of go about? Uh, maintained? Oh, you mean like uh, uh, people to maintain their short so, rails? Yeah, like uh, track work kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so maybe you just close one layer, and then like some they do track work on one while that's happening, and then right. actually that sounds a lot like the current Japan rail system. Really? Okay. The current Japan rail system, mm. to my knowledge, is actually they have 
segmentation is practically everywhere. Mm-hmm. So even if you have one station closed off, so instead of you know having buses like what Sydney does, mm-hmm. they actually can reroute trains to go to the other station, so people can still be on the same train. Mm. So, so instead like of driving, what, essentially, to just avoid that place. Exactly. Okay, cool. So they can just avoid that s- central intersection where they're doing track works. Mm. So mm. I believe Japan is currently doing that, but mm. on an actual train as mm. opposed to a sky train. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I'm. I'm not really thinking about heavy rail. These are like pods and yeah. like cable, like so small amounts are not not those multi. Yeah, probably like one. Lane. Probably yeah. like one person. So the cool thing about that is you'd never have to wait. So basically, you'd have all these pods waiting for you to go, mm-hmm. and then you just say, "All right, I want to go from Town Hall to Central," mm-hmm. and um, the thing goes, "Why don't you just walk your lazy bum?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, but like um, I don't know, from Town Hall to Chatswood. And um, I, I don't actually have to wait for the train itself. It just goes straight from Tannhall to Chatswood and then gets to the back of the queue on the other end. And then um, it's, it's it's like a... I, I need a video to explain it. But, so, uh, if you... I've just put up a okay. map of the Japan railway yeah. and so you can Darius see this. Uh, sorry to interrupt. So Darius just has a uh, graphic here that we'll put up on the show notes about the Japanese... Uh, railway system specifically at this moment is the Tokyo rail map Tokyo mm-hmm. and if you notice some of these just interlinks to each other so if there's any of these broken they can simply reroute to any of them as opposed to Sydney one they would actually if you reroute somebody there would be like a you know a three hours trip because mm-hmm. the the yeah. next the next intersection is too far away yeah while in Japan basically every single one can be a can be a junction to move to another mm. another train mm. it looks oh, horribly complex but I think it's you know, people has planet in the in that sense of yeah. Because if if you notice, Japan is obviously earthquake ridden, so track works is a common thing for them. Yeah. So they mm. they design this to make sure that the train the train station always be able to be working mm. in, in whatever condition they're on. It's like the internet, like but with rails. Exactly. Rails. Yes. So why can't we have that in Sydney or Australia? Well, oh well, we can't even have a proper NBN. So um, like, that's <laughs> okay. Let's ignore that bit. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, another, that that's another podcast. All right. Um, <laughs> so uh, flying mm. cars. I'm gonna start answering your question now. Yeah. I'm still very highly pessimistic about it. That's why uh, mm. my last post was saying probably not in a hundred years. So even probably my grandchildren may be able to see it. Mm. Not not even my children. Because. Mm-hmm some of the issues that you discussed earlier and of course after, on top of that is the actual technology behind it so one is of course how do you make the flying cars mm-hmm. of course there's one people already done it which is, is yeah they just look I think uh, the technology you know, is yeah, yeah, Terrafugia yeah. is, is one that claims to have done it but of course limitation it looks like it, it still looks like a normal airplane so they, it probably still needs some way of a landing strip of some sort yeah no, I think it's got VTOL uh, apparently it's got uh, vertical that, takeoff and landing that okay. one that one there because they've got two models the the first one that you see is okay. actually like an actually work an actual working model they're yep. trying to sell that but it looks so goddamn ugly I don't I'm not don't think anyone's going <laughs> to it looks like a plane it is like a plane that it sort of fits in like a row a, it does look like a normal plane it's, oh my god it, that's it, horrible it, you know what it reminded me of you know that back to the future car where the where the where the, where the uh, car, car doors just go open up. The DeLorean. DeLorean. Yes, yeah. it, that's pretty much what it is. With really? the jet engine on the corner. Well, uh, the, the um, look anything the like the DeLorean at all. <laughs> uh, I think he's referring to the wings falling uh, okay. in. So that's okay, about cool. it. But yeah. apart from that, it sort of looks like one of those old, uh, the American version of 
the previous model of Ford Fusion or something. Mm. Um, but um, I guess the point here is um, the technology is like it's basically already there. It's uh, not really. I don't quite agree, but go on. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, um, like uh, so. So we've got that the, the first the, the first Terrafugia, which is basically mm-hmm. a transition kind of um, uh, aeroplane. Yeah. Um, so th- that's not really that's not really a thing. There's another there's another company in Europe that's developing the Pal V, and um, it's still at prototype stage. I think they're going to try and s- do commercial sales next year. I think, and um, it's it's basically the uh, the tech. Like, if we're not going to try and do anti-gravity and, you know, try and use physics that hasn't been invented yet, I think the tech is already there. So, um, it's not really a technological problem, I don't think. In, like, in term, uh, like a fundamental technology problem. It's just, you know, packaging it the right way and um, making sure that, you know, all the safety infrastructure is there and um, that sort of thing. It's It's not like, oh my god, this is completely new technology, we don't know how to... We don't even know where to begin because people are already working on it. That's the, that's the thing. See, the, you can have the flying cars, as you notice, the Terra Fugia and this Power V that you just mentioned. Mm. Power V is basically looks like um, I don't know, like a it's a it's a gyros a gyrocopter. Yeah, it's a yeah. gyrocopter, which means it needs a landing pad, and not only at your house but also where you landed. Yeah, no, that's not the thing. Yeah, and also the Terra Fugia also looks like it actually needs some landing strip. So mm. there is some infrastructure issue that you probably need to deal with. Yep, and yeah, on top yeah. of that. Um, the current flying rules, I guess, it, you still, even if you're playing uh, personal aeroplanes, you still have to report to the control tower and all that. Mm. Control tower still have to decide, you know, where you're going. Mm. So it's just, I don't think it's ready for that. Yeah. And also, well, obviously, it's not happening right now, so it's not yes. ready. So the discussion is, when will it be ready? That's why yeah. I'm saying I'm a bit pessimistic because the yeah. government is surprisingly dinosaur when it comes to implementing new stuff. Uh-huh. And this is a hellishly new stuff for them to deal with. They can't even make a rules about internet yet. Mm. And internet been around for I don't know how many years. Mm. But it's all about politics. There's this guy called, um, what, uh, Moller? Uh, I think Paul Moller. He's been trying oh, yeah. to attempt developing, uh, attempt to develop such a car for like 50 years or so. And he's got he's got a couple models that sort of work. And uh, interestingly, one of, I think, one or two of them actually use uh, rotary engines, which is like my favorite kind of engine. Mm. Um, that guy, yeah. So we'll have a link up on the show notes as well. Um, and he's he's you know attempted for a long time. So if this guy can't sort of crack it, so uh, that's that's kind of like lending to my pessimism a little bit. Mm. Uh, and it would, as Darius was sort of alluding to earlier, mm. sort of require a fundamental rethink on how you manage transportation mm. and whether it's distributed or you know central governing body that sort of looks after it or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm. So. Yeah, that sort of lends my um, pessimism. Yeah. And going back to the point about the technology behind it, uh, does it really exist to have like commoditized, commoditized vehicles, you know, affordable vehicles that take you to, from place to place? Um, and especially given that we are having trouble with just cars itself, uh, can we can we sort of circumvent that in, in the flying arena? Yeah, um, well, I'll just comment a little bit on uh, Moller. Um, I don't think his tech actually really does work. Um, so he's basically... Uh, well, so, sorry, he's, uh, I'm not an engineer at all. But um, like, if he's been trying to do it for such a long time, I think, um, I think he's probably just stuck on a particular, single particular track that's not necessarily working and he just hasn't given up. Because um, 
like he hasn't actually flown any of his models like uh like 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 say the Terrafugia for example mm-hmm. they've they've really flown that model mm-hmm. and uh, also the Pal V they've absolutely flown that machine um Mola's aircraft with like with the four rotary engine things um you've, I've only ever seen you've only ever seen it fly on a tether and it hasn't actually flown a tether wow yeah. it's pretty crap yeah, it, it actually hasn't flown anywhere. It's, it's a really good, you know, vision, um, vertical takeoff and landing and all that stuff. But um, I think his his particular approach isn't probably the like it's only well it's well known because he's been working on it for such a long time and he's got a lot of publicity. But I think um, he's going to get overtaken by all these other companies that are doing um, stuff that are more practical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have already forgotten what your other thing was. Uh, <laughs> uh, technology. Uh, so uh, I think I, the technology. Do we really have the tech um, to produce uh, like that many things? But like uh, we do, I think. So. Like we, we we can do engines. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, and it's not really. Like, uh, uh, I really have no idea how much that thing is going to cost. Uh, like the Pal V or like, um, but the Terra Future is being sold for two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. So. Obviously, Terrafugia that's or yeah, the transition. Yeah. Or the, 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 yeah, the transition. One? I think the Terrafugia is the ma- name of the company. Yeah, and it is. Um, the transition model. is the, the earlier the, car. the first one. Yeah. yeah, So that's the one where you can drive and sort of like the wings expand and like it's only it's it's basically like a, a drivable aeroplane. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see um, that that's like it, it's not billions of dollars. It's not um, it's not trillions of dollars. Yeah, it's, it's not cost about of a Lamborghini, mm-hmm. two hundred eighty, two hundred seventy nine thousand. Yep. I guess the point is the technology um, like isn't so expensive, isn't so new that it's extremely expensive. It's just that they need to work on their um, they need to work in their pipeline. They need to like maybe uh, just make the production a lot more efficient. And also, uh, maybe not not a lot more efficient, a little bit more efficient. It, um, they they just need to you know cut the price by a factor of five or something, and um, uh, and you can do that with scale. Um, but the problem is, if you look at that thing, you're not going to have scale because um, it just looks so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it, um, uh, I, I guess I'll try to ask you. Uh, I'll, I'll try to ask everyone to imagine. Um, if if it looked really good, if it was marketable and using the same kind of technology, um, if there was someone, if there was a plant out there um, doing mass production um, like you would a normal car, mm-hmm. then the price would be um, a lot more reasonable. Like, and then it'll be in the reach of pretty much everyone. So it's not really a matter of it's not really a fundamental issue. I think um, of you know the tech is so fundamentally expensive that we can't do it. It's just packaging it the right way so there's enough people that are going to buy it so you have economies of scale that are going to support the production um, of this kind of vehicle mm-hmm. so because um, it, all it is is just like you know the, um, internal combustion engine in the back uh, there's some fancy stuff going on with the transmission <laughs> and like um, <laughs> that sort of you know that switch between the road and air and then you've got stupid wings so um, if you just make it look better um, I would buy one <laughs> Well, I don't even even the looks. Maybe I'm not so concerned with, mm-hmm. but just you know, if it works and works easily, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can totally envision this happening. But I just mm-hmm. don't see it happening before 2050. Mm-hmm. That that's sort of my uh, yeah. I don't know, my guess. My, okay. So I don't have any particular, apart from you know various little inklings that I've alluded to before. I don't mm-hmm. really have any 
data to back it up, and that's kind of part of the fun. We're just speculating mm. mostly. Well, this is um, yeah, this is basically the, the bullshit we get up to when we go to lunch. <laughs> exactly. And, um, we're uh, trying to record it now. But there was a I, based on um, I was looking this up last night just out of curiosity, and I came across this guy. Uh, Aeromobile um, mm-hmm. that looks semi decent, sort of. Oh, that's uh, from the 50s. No, it's, it's the recent one. Oh, okay. Um, and it looks all right. Oh, the so Czech thing, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, Czech or Slovakia, I'm not sure. Mm. Czech or Slovakia, not Czechoslovakia. <laughs> uh, so that looks that looks okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue is that it requires a sort of a, um, a runway. Yeah, that's that's a, a mid, mid one. But mm. it, look, it doesn't look half bad. It looks pretty sleek and mm-hmm. nice. It almost reminds me of a. James Bond thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I, I think it looks okay. Mm. Um, I, I think this has potential if if it can be, uh, you know, truly functional. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, I think the video showing just flying slightly off just, the ground, just above the ground. Yeah, it's not. It's not enough to convince me. But uh, mm. I'm glad that like there's still progress going on, even though you know. You know, people like Henry Ford and others have been trying to, or indicating that, you know, this is going to happen. Oh, Henry Ford's still alive. No, oh. he's, uh, he's passed away. I'm guessing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's that. Darius, I don't think you've. Uh, so you, I think you said twenty, went hundred years, more than years that. From now, yeah, mainly because, um, well, I'm sure when when this eventually come mainstream enough, there will be ma- massive public outcry saying, mm. "Oh, this is dangerous." Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And I just kind of wondering how often, like you know, say at the moment, like eighteen, you you go to RTS saying I want a license, mm. or you come to your parents saying, can I grab a, 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 car, a car license? Mm. Would you, can you imagine the future when they come and say I want an aeroplane license? Mm. Mm. But interestingly enough, if if the the, the planes and the the way it operates is automated, then maybe you don't even need kids, a license. Yeah, yeah. so you can like just send your kids in, on a pod and they get taken to school, even if they're like in the countryside yeah. and come to school in the city and go back or something. So that's yeah. you know that's that's a nice vision. And then that's that's mind. another that's not that's the other bit that makes me becoming pessimistic. Mm. If you're mentioning that they oh, someone can hack the thing and then kidnap no, no, your kids. Not, not, <laughs> not that. Bad. Like yes, please come here. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not going to considering that yet. To be honest, now thank you for mentioning it. Up. But yes, the the fact that means that's another infrastructure on top of the current flying infrastructure that you have to build to make mm. sure that things going to where it's supposed to go. Mm. So an AI infrastructure or even like you know government or some third party control that makes sure that cars arrive in the right place at the right time without crashing and all that mm. or without as you mentioned any human error. Yeah. Maybe there will be human human factor like the train, you know, everything is practically automated. The train driver is practically press a button to mm-hmm. go and press a button to stop. Mm-hmm. But the idea means it's you know that's another infrastructure for them to build on. Yeah, mm. that has, I, I, yeah has to be really well done. Otherwise, the government so people will lose confidence. Or so like you, airplanes, you you got the crashes. People investigate. They make mm-hmm. future airplanes become more bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And then another crash happen. Mm-hmm. Another you know another investigation. So mm-hmm. it may end up like that. But mm-hmm. planes took I don't know how many years to mm-hmm. get here. Yeah. and there's still possible failures yeah. or else that airplane investigation TV show will not happen <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't really take that long though if you just um, so w- when was the first um, so famously the first powered flight was w- with the Wright Brothers 19 something 15 I don't know let's check our trivia first airplane first yeah, powered first plane. powered flight oh, um, powered flight it's, pro- it's probably done by some European thing and then the Americans just sort of took credit the Wright Brothers right my, yeah yeah my guess was 1915 how close was I mm. 
Uh, the power of Wikipedia. And that's probably another thing that I'm going to try and try and invoke as well. 8074. Uh, that's a monoplane. Felix de Temple made a monoplane. What about the Wright brothers? That that? Achieved lift under its own power after sky jump run. Okay, no, not quite. Okay, like self-powered control... Uh, well, uh, most of the contestants, popular contestants right now is the Wright brothers. So, like, um, if we just look up the Wright brothers, um, yeah. I think it's probably 1915. December 8th. So December 8th, the Wright brothers have fly the flyer. 1914. And 1914. And um, so, and then 60, uh, 50 years? <laughs> oh, my and God. 60 I'm trying, I'm trying to make 1969 out of that for, like, the Apollo flights. And I can't <laughs> do arithmetic um, in my head that simple. But... Um, about 55 years or so. Yeah, 50, so 55 years after, we have someone landing on the moon. So, um... Allegedly. <laughs> uh, we can't even do math here. I can't anyway. Um, so, uh, okay, that's one thing. Uh, uh, so, pe- people back then, you know, like at, at the era of the Wright brothers, they would have absolute... Like, they wouldn't even conceive of going to space, much less going to the moon. Um, also, um... Another parallel. Um, let's say we were ten. Y- um, it was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Wikipedia didn't exist, I don't think. Yep. And yep. internet was extremely slow, so we wouldn't actually be able to do this right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So, um, could we have envisioned a time where, um, like, even just ten years ago, that we would actually be doing some stuff like this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, I guess it's because I'm a, I'm a child of the internet, and mm-hmm. I'm also a child of the you know computer revolution. And that will so be that all of us here. Yeah, exponential, uh, exponential mm-hmm. growth, mm-hmm. exponential improvement, stuff like um, you know doubling computing power every year, every yeah. two years. Uh, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of anticipating that um, mm-hmm. by being really optimistic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm already like, um, let's 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 say let's look at Darius's phone for example. That's got more computing power than my first computer, probably like you know that ten times as much. Right. Yeah. Um, Pointing to a Galaxy S3, yep. S4, S3, yeah. S3. Yeah. So um, I would never have uh, like like um, I, I just bought bought a new SD card um, uh, this morning, and it was like thirty two gigabytes. And um, I I, uh, I I remember a time when people just had you know four gigabytes of hard drive space, and now. No. You're kidding. You're 100 <laughs> megabytes, you mean? Yeah, well, was, didn't Bill Gates or someone famously say, uh, you know, 256K ought to be enough for anyone or something? 640K yeah. of memory is yeah. enough for anybody. Yeah, that's why you have extend, uh, extended memory with, um, with the DOS that. systems. Yes. But, um, but yeah, we, um, I, I think, I think um, we're just... You guys are just underestimating progress a little bit too much. Um, yeah, I sincerely hope you're right. I, ho- I hope to see cars, you know, within the next I'm, 10 years. I'm hoping for that, but it's more like I'm happy with the technology. I think the technology existed and it... Mm. Uh, as, as, you know, oh, you're much more me. pessimistic about the regulatory frameworks That's and people and exactly, politics. Exactly, yeah. yes. Mm. So that would make me pessimistic because, yeah. Mm. That's, so that's the mainstream part you're referring to. Yes, because yeah. the technology mm-hmm. will grow without the government. Like The mm. internet basically is lawless. That's why it grows so easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now that the government realizes how big this thing is, mm. they're trying to make rules on it, which mm-hmm. they can't. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is something big, something different. This, mm-hmm. is, this is not a... 
it can't happen. It's, it's not an abstract thing. Like yeah, it can't happen like um, outside of their view because, like, um, you know, governments and like politicians are usually old and they don't know what Doge is. Um, <laughs> they um, they don't know about memes and everything, so it just happens in the background. Yeah. So yes. with this, it's going to be right up in their face, right? Yeah, it's it's about accessibility. It's something, something phys- um, physical that they can actually observe and see. Mm. Not only that, you need a lot of capital and amount of money to actually start doing anything even mm. getting your feet wet or scratching the surface mm. uh, but with, with a computer it's it's much more accessible yes. a kid in Kenya could probably be programming something a startup or whatever mm. exactly. but you can't easily you know you can try and make a plane but will it be an effective plane that's another question um, ah. you need a fair amount of capital uh, I'm guessing that's probably um, that's one of the things I'd like to really advocate as well like um, a kickstarter campaign <laughs> uh, no, not a kickstarter <laughs> campaign but like a uh, like yeah, uh, you it, it, you do make a really good point. Like, if someone wants to innovate, like in the, f- the physical engineering field, mm-hmm. it's really really difficult because um, you. But you know, there's actually software um, that we can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but it's just that because it's come from that, you know, physical world, um, like it. it like the people that make it doesn't really have that free, you know, give everyone access to everything kind of mentality. Because mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, like, if um, if say um, AutoCAD inventor or like um, mm. that Creo, that Creo program that we use over here if the people that made it actually just made it open source mm. or, and then make it free to everyone to, for everyone to use then um, you know the, the guy in Kenya mm. with a crappy computer mm. can just go download their software and actually mm. start experimenting with new designs mm-hmm. and um, that uh, like I think um, it goes back to Darius's point it's it's really it's really it's really more to do with the people that are restricting access to these kinds of things than the tech itself, mm. um, it seems. But you know, um, um, in open source, like people and stuff are smart. So uh, maybe <laughs> I, I think there's a program called FreeCAD, but I don't think it does possible. I don't think it does real um, proper like um, physical engineering simulations. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even if there is existed, the problem comes still to once you have to build a model, and the model is going to be something physical where the government actually would have to have a look at it and say, "Oh no, we don't allow that." So, oh, that's. Uh, See, I think that, I think you're allowed to make prototypes. Um, yeah, but the, the thing is, the prototype have to meet certain regulations that the government have on mm. aviation rulings. Mm. So that will, you know, something else that they would. Mm. But it makes it harder unless you actually yeah. have your own country. Yeah, but I think that <laughs> you have your own country by that yourself. You, yeah. No, no, well, there is. I'll just the declare my farm. Will be flying. <laughs> I'll just declare my, my my farm like an independent country now. <laughs> Declaration of independence. Wasn't, wasn't there some, a mention of it in actually a one man country within Australia? Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh no, there's actually two people there. Okay. Oh no, we're just offending everyone now. But yeah, I'm sorry, Tasmania. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. Um, oh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'm just saying if once you can get that, once you can get over that obstacle, if you have like, if it works in the simulator, usually you can just give it to some much bigger agency, and um, if they're convinced that the simulator is sound, they will yeah. then start supporting it. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so I don't think that's a huge. Uh, like actually building the real prototype once the simulated prototype is proven that like I don't think that's a big mm. uh, massive uh, insurmountable problem no, intractable um, problem very possible but of course then there's the well the most famous one nowadays is the ethic committees making sure that you know if you actually did your prototype actually crash you actually survive and all that mm-hmm. I mean in the past we don't care people happily experiment on anything 
Yeah, that's all right. You know, like you can't even experiment on rats without actually getting several hundred signatures saying, uh. yep, this is ethical and this is, you know, for the good of many people. For oh. the rats. Oh, really? Okay. That was really... Like, um, so, yeah, this is mainly, is, you know, that's what making the pessimistic, all the hurdles you have to go through, not the technical hurdle, the mm-hmm. political hurdles to, uh, get, to get anywhere. I had to submit, like, an, an ethics committee application for an experiment that I wanted to do, and that was really easy. So, uh, But, uh, you know, granted, I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't proposing to catapult. <laughs> no, I wasn't proposing to catapult someone. There's no Maybe that would be even easier. <laughs> There's no danger involved to these um, test subject. Yeah, yeah. Um, even the text, I'm still, I don't know, I feel a little bit pessimistic even for the tech side, mm-hmm. given that mm-hmm. we're still, you know, the whole uh, fossil fuel mm-hmm. um, sort of drive to get rid of move away from petrol and other um, like mm. diesel and so on mm. even with such impetus uh, what it's been what about 15-20 years now mm. we're only now getting to see hybrids and even that it's not completely mainstream um, yes. and, but ha- having said that diesel has come an incredibly long way mm-hmm. and that's sort of uh, it's more of a, I'm not sure what the driver was but I'm guessing fuel efficiency was one mm. and maybe um, diesel is cheaper so much price, cheaper, cheaper to, yeah. so cheaper maybe that's the driver that sort of thing but if we did have that incredible drive perhaps we can reach it in about 20 years yeah um, yeah but I don't know I'm just I'm just feeling a little bit pessimistic overall uh, well, I hope I'm, I'm sincerely hope I'm wrong. So I, yeah. I do want to be in a flying car. Yeah, <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. And, um, to be honest, yeah. yeah. If we if we remove all that political hurdles, yeah, I think I'm I'm I'll be as optimistic as Matt of seeing it in mm-hmm. 2025 or 2030. Yeah, maybe I'm just too, too over optimistic about the um, you know, human nature and people in general. <laughs> you trust people. Too. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I guess we can wrap this podcast up. Um, so in. Overall, I guess Matt's was twenty thirty five. Was it twenty twenty five? Twenty twenty five. Yep, being very optimistic. Darius. Which is in about four, eleven years from now on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> me, I'm being absolutely pessimistic and seeing. I don't think my grandchildren will. Probably my grandchildren will see it. So mm-hmm. probably in 2100. 2100, Okay. Yep. Uh, my my guess would be twenty seventy. That was the guess that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that sort of wraps up this podcast. Unless you guys have anything else to add. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess if anyone's actually listening to this crap, uh, please tell us. <laughs> please, uh, <laughs> please tell us how we can improve it. Mm-hmm. Um, can we invite people on? Yep. If yeah. you're interested in uh, being on this podcast, uh, information happy. will be on the Facebook page and I guess the uh, co- the show notes as well. And if you have any ideas for what podcast we should do, absolutely send mm-hmm. it to us. We, mm-hmm. We'll we'll come up with some random crap as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, basically we'll talk about nothing in particular in this podcast. Mm. Okay, I guess we can wrap this up. You can find the show notes on semiintelligence.com. Hopefully that's still available. If not, you can find it on a Facebook page or something. You know you know who you are. We're not that big. So you can track you down. So yeah, let's, uh, I guess we can catch everyone else later. Okay, cool. Signing off. Bye. See you later.